When, when, I was, uh, when I was growing up, I remember we kids would say this sing-songy rhyme when someone would pick on them. And they would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is there anything stupider than that saying? <laughs> words will never hurt me. How's that going? <laughs> how's, that, how's that feel? Words are powerful. And, uh, you know, people uh, call us things at times. They, they speak words to us. Sometimes they're life-giving. Sometimes there's death in their words. Sometimes they speak names of us, over us. And some of you have probably been given names or nicknames or called things growing up that still bother you and, and still stick to you. And we're going to look at a passage together this morning as we're in our series on community. And we're going to see that the Apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest followers, in this passage, he calls us a bunch of names. But these are good names. These are names we want to be called. And these are names that we are not called as individuals, but we're called as a community. Together, these things are true of us. And I really want us for this week and next Sunday to actually drill in on one of these names. All right, so let's look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is a letter in the New Testament that Peter wrote to believers who were scattered and sort of exiled with their faith. Verse 9, he says, But you, or but all of you together, are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And the name that I really want us to focus in on is the name a royal priesthood. Peter says, all of you together are a royal priesthood. What does royal priesthood mean? And this morning's message is really just an introduction to next Sunday's message. This morning we're going to talk about what this means, and next Sunday we're going to talk about what does it mean for you. And what does it mean for me? So if we're going to understand this name, royal priesthood, we have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we find two distinct creation accounts written in two distinct literary genres, which has created a lot of discussion and debate and disagreement over the years as to how to interpret Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And I'm not going to step into that mess this morning. But I do want to say this. There's one very important clue in all of those passages that help us make sense of what creation is all about. And it's at the beginning of chapter 2, on the seventh day of creation, it says that God rested. That God rested. God doesn't rest the way you and I do. We don't, he doesn't rest because he gets tired or he gets worn out or he's just kind of feeling off. He never grows weary. He doesn't faint. So what does it mean when God rested on the seventh day of creation? And any original reader of this uh, book, any ancient or eastern person who read this would have instinctively known, but you and I, thousands of years later, we won't know this. So that's why I'm unpacking this. Lean in with me a little bit. When God rested on the seventh day, here's what everybody knew it meant that a God, a deity, only rests in his or her temple. Gods do not rest unless they are within their temple and their dwelling place. And so when God rested on the seventh day, what we're supposed to get from that is that creation itself, the universe itself, is God's temple. It's the place in which his presence dwells and people worship him. This is his temple. You know, we know this because the promise at the end of time is that when God makes everything new again, it says in the scriptures that the, that the glory of God, the presence of God is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the seas, which means every square inch of this universe is going to be 
revealing his glory in its fullness someday. Why? Because this is his temple. He's created this as his temple. And then he creates humankind in his image. Well, why? What does that mean? When a God dwelled within a temple, this God, or a God, lowercase g, would have priests that would serve him or her. These priests were busy doing his or her work. This, these priests were busy with access to the God. And so when God created us in his image, he created each of us as little priests, those who would fill his temple doing his work. And so what this means is that to be human in God's original design and intent is to serve in a priestly role within his temple, to be his priest. So this is the first way in which we see priests in the meta-narrative of scripture, that God's image bearers, those who bear God's image, those who are created in the image of God, you and I were created to be his priest. This means that we were, com- com- we were created to have complete access to God. We were created to find freedom and fulfillment and flourishing in doing God's work for his purpose and doing God's work for his glory. So doing God's work his way for his purpose, for his glory. But what do we do now? We often do work our way for our purposes and for our glory. But as priests, we were created to do his work for his purposes and for his glory. And so Adam and Eve are given this priestly role to bear God's image and to extend his reign and rule throughout creation. And they do it in really tangible, interesting ways, ways that maybe will surprise you. They do it by being gardeners. They tend the garden. God gives them this priestly responsibility. I've created this beautiful world, and now you work it. You tend it. You care for it. You make something of it. Make culture. Join in on my creative energy, and you bring your creative powers that you have because you bear my image. And so this is a priestly work. Anytime you take something from nature, you take some raw ingredients, and you make something wonderful, whether it's a dish to eat or a painting to look at or a song to listen to, you're doing priestly work because you're taking things and you're making them better. Adam and Eve were given authority. They named, specifically Adam named the animals. They were given access to God. It said that they would walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day and they would talk with God. But then we get to Genesis chapter three and Adam and Eve choose that they prefer not to do God's work for his purpose and for his glory. They'd rather do their work for their purposes and for their glory. They don't want to do things his way. They want to do things their way. And here's what happens in Genesis chapter three, which is often referenced as the fall. It's not just they made a boo-boo and they got slapped on the wrist for doing the wrong thing. It's bigger than that. In that moment, they relinquish their role as priests. They were given the role of being priests in God's temple, and they said, we'd rather do something else. And from that moment, that role was lost. Well, what happens? I mean, God could have just said, forget this, failed experiment, (laughs) start over, but he doesn't. Earlier this week on Twitter, a pastor named Rich Velotis from New York City tweeted this. He said, the singular theme of the Bible the singular theme of the Bible from, genera- from Genesis to Revelation might be God doesn't give up on them. God doesn't give up on them. Some of you got to hear that this morning. God doesn't give up on you. God hasn't give up on you. God will not give up on you. And so God doesn't give up on it. He's, I want to restore to these humans their role as priests. And so what does he do? He chooses a man named Abraham, and Abraham becomes a family, and they become a nation, the Jewish nation, the Israelites. And these Israelites have a special relationship with God. And it's all part of God's plan to restore to us our role of priest, people who have access to God and do his work in his temple. 
And within the Israelites, which were a special group, there was an even more select special group called the Levites, the tribe of Levi. And from the Levites came the priest. And this is where we get to the second stage of understanding what it means to be a royal priesthood. At first, God's image bearers were priests. Well, that was lost in the garden. So what now? Now there is a chosen few that God chooses to be his priest. And the priesthood begins with a man named Aaron. And what the priests would do in the Old Testament for the people of Israel is they would enter into either the tabernacle or the temple, and they would stand before a holy God on behalf of a sinful people. So they were in between. You have a sinful people. You have a holy God. How can we bring these two together for a relationship? The priest. The priest stood before the holy God on behalf of a sinful people. And that's why there's all those boring chapters in the Bible about what the priests were supposed to wear and what they were supposed to eat and what they weren't supposed to eat because the priests were set apart for a very specific purpose to have access to a holy God. They were an intermediary between God and the world. And they were the ones that were most intimately acquainted with God and had the greatest access to him. It was supposed to be all of us. But at this stage in the story, it's just a few. They were set apart, they made sacrifices on behalf of the people, and then one day a year, only one of them, the high priest, could enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement to make the ultimate sacrifice, foreshadowing the sacrifice that Jesus would make so that our sins could be forgiven. So you go from God's heart that all of humanity would be his priests to now you got one guy who can do it one day a year. But there's a problem, and here's the problem. The priests were sinners too. They couldn't get it right. Study them in the Old Testament. Aaron was a sinner. Aaron's sons were struck dead because they were so sinful. And then we keep reading and we meet a guy named Eli who was a priest. His sons were as bad as Aaron's sons. These were wicked people. And so what we learn is you can dress someone up like a priest. You can train somebody to be a priest. You can make them look, walk, and sound like a priest. But the problem is in their heart, they're not a priest. They're still wanting to do work their way for their glory, for their purposes. What hope do we have? And this brings us to the third stage in the story of what it means to be a royal priesthood, that God sends his own son to be the true and better priest. The only priest, Jesus, our high priest, who came not just, listen, priests in the Old Testament, they would make sacrifices for the people, but they themselves were never the sacrifice. God never wanted human sacrifice. He always was against any sort form of human sacrifice. But the priests would bring sheep and goats and different animals, and they would make sacrifices on behalf of the people. But none of them were a sacrifice on the behalf of the people because none of them were spotless and without blemish. But Jesus comes, and he doesn't just come as our high priest to make a sacrifice. Jesus comes to become the sacrifice. And he walks to the cross where he sacrifices himself on our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says that God designated Jesus to be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, which was his Old Testament high priest. Jesus suffered in our place. And in Jesus came together the role of prophet, priest, and king. Jesus was, in the Old Testament, nobody was all of those things. But Jesus was all of those things. He was a prophet. Prophets in the Old Testament spoke the the word of God. But Jesus was and is the word of God. Kings would reign and rule from a distance, but Jesus came to reign and rule from within us. And the priest would come to make sacrifices for their people, but Jesus came to be the sacrifice for his people. And in doing so, here's what he accomplished. He brings all of us back, so to speak, to the garden. So that there's two things that we've lost that we can have back. Number one, our relationship with God. And I think we talk about that all the time, and most Christians understand that. But there's something else you got back, and a lot of Christians don't understand this. You got your role back as a priest. You are a royal priesthood. 
there is priestly work for you to do. We serve as God's priest in this world and before this world. That means that we have access to God. That, that holy of holies, the presence of God that one person once a year could go to, now because of Jesus' work, the curtain in the temple has been torn. You and I have access to the Father because of the work of Jesus Christ. We can always go to the Father and know that he hears us when we pray. We can bring our concerns. We can do the priestly work of coming to the Father in prayer and intercession and crying out to God. That's priestly work. We can do that. But also, priestly work means this. It means extending God's reign and rule over every corner of creation. So just like Adam and Eve were involved in working on creation, in creation, with creation, for the good of creation, and it was considered priestly work to them, it is considered priestly work to you as well. When you do good work for good purposes to bless people, when you, live, when you leave people, places, and things better than you found them, whenever you make the city of man more like the city of God through the work that you do, you, whatever your job is, if you work in hospitals, if you teach in schools, if you work in sales, if you're an engineer, if, if you're a stay-at-home parent, whatever the work that you're doing, if you're working your garden in your backyard, if you're taking care of your lawn, if you're singing a song to your, to your child, if you are teaching someone, if you are sharing something, it's all priestly work because we can bless others and strengthen others and take the ingredients that God has filled this world with and do something incredible. As the New Testament church, as the priest of God, we are supposed to, listen, spread the grace and truth and beauty of Jesus to a broken world. And any opportunity you have to walk into brokenness and bring grace, truth, and beauty, you're doing your priestly work because you are a royal priesthood. Now, I'm going to finish here. And next week, we're going to talk about what all of this means for us. But I want to give us two quick applications for this message. One is for today, and one is for the next month. Here's today's application to this. When we gather, a couple hundred plus of us at Oneida Shores, and we spend that time together, it's not just hanging out. I mean, it is that, but it's not just that. It's not just cramming as many cheeseburgers into your face as you can. It's, it's that for me, but it's more than that. It's, it's not just hoping that the beach stays open. It's not just getting in line for ice cream. There's priestly work for us to do today at the church picnic. Enjoying nature, going on a walk, thanking God for the beauty of his creation. That's priestly work. Cleaning up after ourselves, making sure that we leave those pavilions better than we found them. That's priestly work. That's the work we're called to do. Feeding and nourishing others. Since nine this morning, people have been at that park getting those grills ready so that those coals will be white and hot and ready to make hamburgers and cheeseburgers and hot dogs and all that yummy stuff. And they're up there and some of you have been making dishes that you're planning to share with other people and bless other people with. And, 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 then, and then there are people who are um, preparing different things all of that is priestly work because you're creating something. You're taking the raw ingredients of, you know, a chef takes the raw ingredients of salt and water and flour and pasta, right? That's priestly work. You're doing something incredible. Exercising and playing sports. We're using our, our physical gifts, encouraging one. So today when we gather, don't just say, we're just a church hanging out today. We're a royal priesthood and we're doing priestly work together. But here's what this means for the next month. For the next month, we're going to be collecting shoes and socks as a church. And we're doing this in partnership with a ministry in the city called In My Father's Kitchen. And this is a ministry that feeds homeless people in the city of Syracuse. And I hope when you think of homeless people, you don't just think of individuals that you drive by when you venture into the city. I hope you realize that there are families that are homeless. 
There are children that are homeless. And In My Father's Kitchen has a street outreach ministry where they assist chronically homeless individuals who live on the streets of Syracuse that have a disability, whether it's a mental disability, a physical disability, an emotional disability that prevents them from adequately caring for themselves. And so this is what this ministry does. They, they, their care managers go out twice a week with a physician from Upstate University. They go throughout Syracuse bringing food and emergency supplies to individuals who live in abandoned buildings, hidden encampments, secluded areas under bridges and overpasses. They meet with homeless individuals distributing food, bottled water, blankets, toiletries, clothing, and medical attention when needed. And one of the things that we've heard that they really need right now are shoes and socks. And so for the next month, from this Sunday until Sunday, July 10th, when you come to church, you're going to see a bin in the lobby. You're going to see a sign where you can drop off, not used, but new shoes and socks. And I, I don't, you know, I know everybody's money's, I get it, money's tight, inflation, I understand all that. There's not a lot of margin. Here's what I would ask each family to consider doing. One pair of shoes and one package of socks per family. If you can't do it, do what you can. If you can do more, do more. But you know what this is? This is not charity. It's not charity. It's not just to make ourselves feel good and pat ourselves on the back because we've done something for people who have less than us. You know what this is? This is priestly work. This is what it means to be a royal priesthood that we are committed to extending God's goodness, grace, truth, and beauty to these individuals who live in our city. Let's pray. God, make us a people who understand what it means to be your priest, and let us live in that truth by your grace. We thank you that your spirit helps us with this. We can't do it on our own. In Jesus' name, amen.